I want to talk about the Beverly Hillbillies. He's, he's out there shooting for food, and he finds oil. I love it when you find the anointing. Amen. <laughs> and the anointing made him rich. I might have to preach some other things about these guys. I think it's pretty cool. But so far, we've been talking about where we're seated in the book of Ephesians. And, and that has just helped us to understand the power of the resurrection. I'm going to need your help this morning. The power of the resurrection that changes the church. So we're talking about being seated. I mean, how many times does he talk about it? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, we're seated with him in heavenly places. That, that, that famous uh, missionary to China from the previous century, Watchman Nee, he wrote, a book on the, uh, he wrote a book about the book of Ephesians, and he titled it, Sit, Walk, Stand. And the first part of Ephesus is all about being seated. And the middle part's about walking, and the last part's about standing. And we get it exactly wrong. We think, I've got to stand and fight, then I get to walk around, and maybe I can sit down and rest when it's all over. And God says, you don't walk till you know how to sit. And you don't, listen, you work out of rest. Adam's first day on the planet was a day off. Come on. God sat him down, gave his job description. Adam, here's the three things you got to do, bye, bye, bye. And Adam said, all right, I'm ready to go to work. God said, no, 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 that's tomorrow. Today, I just want to spend with you. We always think everything starts with us when really everything starts with Him. In fact, in the Jewish mind, the day begins when we go to bed. Not, it's, like, it's like God's got to knock us out so He can get something done. First thing you ought to do in the morning is say, God, not I'm ready to go. Your first thing in the morning ought to be, God, what have you been up to? Because He's been stationing angels and getting your day ready. Amen. Can I get an Amen. When we talk about sitting and then walking, let me put it this way. It's more like you sit in your car. The walking is in another vehicle. The movement, the getting from one place and another is in God's chariot for you. They didn't get that, Lord. They, they, they're, not, they're not following me. It's not so much about us, our activity, as much as our activity in Him. Does that help? And by the way, he's the pilot, not, not the co-pilot. I hate that bumper sticker. Every time I see it, I want to rip it off. God's my co-pilot. Yeah, in other words, you just call on him when you need him. Mm-hmm. So we now are walking. We're going to talk about the seven walks now in, in chapter 4. And, and here's the thing. This is where the hillbilly thing comes in. He is wealthy beyond measure. You know, if they did the show today, he wouldn't be a millionaire, right? He'd be a billionaire. You know, if you're just a millionaire, that's not much. you got to be a billionaire. They had all this money in the bank, and they still dressed like they didn't have a dime. Still drove that old car that's about on its last leg, right? It's probably got 500,000 miles on it. Sitting up there on that rocking chair. You want to just slap them and say, what is wrong with you? Take the money and start living like you have it. And I'm concerned today that we as Christians have a lot of blessings in the bank that we're not drawing on. Oh, come on now. And we, we, we know we're saved. We're living in the big house, you know. 
We're kind of living in the house, but we're not living the life. We're in God's house, but we're not taking advantage of God's resources. We're not walking in His power. We're not realizing that as He was raised, so too we are raised. We're sitting around talking about the sweet by and by when it is now. Amen. The kingdom is here now. Wow. Money in the bank and still living like paupers. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. That's probably all I'm going to talk about, Jed. That's all. Don't you want to just slap that hat off his head and say, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, huh? right? As prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. Now, that word worthy, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like, oh, no, I got I to gotta live holy. That's not what he's talking about. Listen, you can't, even, you can't even live holy without him. Don't act like you can live holy all by yourself. That's, that's some of our problem. We beat ourselves up. Oh, I messed up again. Quit beating yourself up. None of us are perfect. Confession is good for the soul. Huh? He just says, I want you to start walking like you're called. We sang that song, I got one name in my head, but you said I'm something else. We got to start living what he's called us. Even when you don't feel worthy, you are. Even when you feel alone, you're not. Even when you feel you've lost, you haven't. Amen. Even if you feel like you can't make it, you will. Walk worthy, say walk worthy, of the calling with which you were called. Paul says, I'm, I want to I have that. I want to walk in the high calling, uh, his perfect calling. Verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, amen, bearing with one another in love. Can I get an amen? Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we need to start walking out what God has put in us. It's kind of like the judge has made a decree. It's up to us to carry it out. How many remember Shawshank Redemption? Huh? Remember that movie? You've probably seen it two, three, four times. Just to see the prison. Oh, I remember that wall right there. Filmed right here in Mansfield, right? And remember when the guys who had had a life sentence came out, and they couldn't deal with life. And and the one guy hung himself. He was free after being in prison. You would think you would just be jumping for joy that I'm free. Wow. No. He couldn't handle the freedom. Somebody, and then the next guy comes out. Remember? Forget his name. Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan Freeman. He comes out, but he had a friend on the outside. See, that's what I'm here for today. I'm your buddy who's helping you to know how to live when you get out of prison. I got a boat on the coast, and I'm, <laughs> I got a place for you. Amen. 
And, and, and he, had a play, he had a way to deal. He couldn't deal with it. Remember, he tried to get a job. and in the, It's just odd. Amen. But when you've been a slave for that long, you don't know how to act free. Amen. So I guess the purpose of this message is to help you to understand, amen, you, you've been, maybe have been in bondage a long time. Maybe you've been saved even a while now. But uh, how many of us are really walking in that? freedom and enjoying the freedom. Amen. How many of us are walking in resurrected power? Amen. Instead of walking around like zombies. Somebody praise him in the house if you know what I'm talking about. Amen. We Listen, we need to stop identifying. We, we identify more with our prison self than we do our free self. We seem to identify more with Adam than we do Jesus. We talk more about what we can't do instead of what we can do. We spend more time rallying around our faults and our failures than we do our victories. Jesus, help us in this place. Not understanding we've not, listen, you haven't just been saved. You have been born again. You didn't just come out of Egypt. You were placed in a promised land. But some of us still been wandering in the desert, not in Egypt, but not in the promised land. Noah, we always talk about Noah and, and his whole thing, and all we got in our head is Noah and his family were saved from destruction. He wasn't just saved from something, he was saved for something. <laughs> In that DNA, by the way, everyone in this room is related to Noah. Everyone in this room has, has Noah DNA. Oh, come on, saints. Amen. Everybody shares DNA with Noah. God didn't just save him from a flood. He saved him to restart the race. Jesus didn't die just to save you from sin. He saved you to start a whole new thing. Amen. He saved you to get something started, to turn the world upside down. Amen. I got a word for some of you. Get off the boat. The flood's over. Some of us are still living on the boat, taking care of those animals. Hey, let me tell you, the animals are gone. Even animals knew what to do. They, they, the wild, oh, here, here's another word. Let the wild things go. Get off the boat. Some of us still need a miracle every day just to survive. We need manna every day. See, in the wilderness, you got to have a miracle every day, every day. But when you get into the promised land, you start living with a flow. It's time to get off the boat and get into the purpose of God and begin to live resurrected. Oh, somebody help me in this place. Amen. Say it with me. I'm not just saved from. I am saved for. Now, there are seven, seven walks. Y'all ready? It won't, it won't take me a long time. Just give me 20 minutes with each of the seven, and we'll be good. Believe me, if I did that, you'll be carrying me out of here. First of all, he says, walk humble. Say, walk humble. Now, now listen, humility was not, catch this, humility was not a Greek virtue. No, no, one, talk, no one talked to leaders and wealthy people and people, you know, uh, of high estate. No one ever told them, you, you need to stay humble. 
Amen? Because back then, the only people that were expected to be humble were slaves. Humility was something only slaves do. In other words, if you're my servant, you need to stay humble. You know, don't, don't look me in the face. Come on. And whatever I tell, it's, it's yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You got to stay humble, but only if you're a servant. And then Paul starts preaching, no, all Christians have to be humble. What? That's not the way of the world. If I get humble, they'll, they'll just walk over me. Yeah, they probably will. I don't think you, I th- I don't think you want to receive this. Let me give you a definition of real humility. It's not letting people walk over you. The real definition of humility is Jesus having the power to come off the cross, but he didn't do it. Now, that's humility. Do, do, do you catch me now? It's having the ability to strike back, but you don't. It's, it's having the ability to speak out, but you don't. That, that, that you know, saying, I, I, I could tell you, but, but you're humble. Can I get, a, can I get an amen? Then it says, number two, walk gentle. One of my favorite verses as a pastor, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. I I love this verse. But we were gentle among you, Paul says, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you. You ever feel that way towards somebody? We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. How many times are we understanding, how many of us are imparting ourselves, not just a gift, but you're imparting yourself into somebody because you had become dear to us. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. So, walk gentle. Say, walk gentle. Number three, he said, walk patiently, right? Long-suffering. Now, that's a deep, deep Greek word. It's deep. Y'all want to know what it means? Long-suffering. Y'all want to know? You know what it means in the Greek? It means to suffer long. (laughs) What does that mean, preacher? It means I have to put up with you. That's true. (laughs) It, it, It means... Having the ability to put up with each other. How many know sometimes people get on your nerves? Oh, boy, the signs just went up everywhere. One sign went up and he pointed to the guy next to him. He's like, <laughs> I won't say which husband said that about their wife. But anyway, that's, oh, oh. It's the ability, this is what the Greek word means, literally. The ability, being able to endure annoyances and difficulties, having, <laughs> having a wide and a big soul. Wow. I, you, know, you never hear this preach, but I really think we should take this under advisement. How can I have a life where I put up with things? I, and again, we're not talking about people running over you. How many believe there should be boundaries? You need boundaries in your life. You don't let people, you know, I'm, I'm supposed, he said, he that would be greatest among you, right? The, if, if you're the leader, then you're everyone's servant. But that doesn't mean I jump every time you tell me to do something. Come on. I mean, I'm supposed to wash your feet, but y'all can wash your own feet once in a while. 
So it's not, you know, we need to be wise as servants, serpents, but harmless as doves. Another one of my favorite scriptures. We need to understand how to do that. It's not about people in, you know, violating boundaries in your life. We're not talking about that. We, we could talk a long time about that, but it's just having an attitude. You know, some people just don't know any better. Some people were raised with bad manners. Some people just don't know how to deal with other people, you know, and we just need we just need to be patient with each other. And I think we can if we can just see Jesus in other people instead of just seeing their faults. Am I helping anybody this morning? Amen. I know you want me to move on to more happy ones. <laughs> then he says, it's kind of, re- kind of related to it, walk tolerantly, which, which is about the same thing, putting up with one another. So let's go on to the next one. Finally, he says this. Next, he says, walk in love. That's agape love. And again, I always knew the Greeks had three words for love. One was eros, and that's, that's uh, erotic love, okay, which I don't know that that's really love, <laughs> but that's eroticism. And then you've got phileo, which is brotherly love. But then you've got agape. And really, we use it a lot, but the ancient Greeks used it very rarely because they really didn't understand it and really didn't operate in it. It it, it means unconditional love. It's not, listen, it's not an emotional love. It's a commitment love. It's a love that says, I'm going to love you even if I don't know how to. I'm going to love you even if I don't feel it. Do you ever have to be good to somebody and you didn't feel it? You, know, you got to say, I love you, and you're gritting your teeth. I love you too. That's actually, that could actually be agape love. It's God loving us even when we mess up every day. Come on. You might as well say, man, you confessed it earlier. You mess up a lot. God loved us. Wow. God loves us today knowing we're not just because we messed up today. He loves us today knowing we're going to mess up tomorrow and the day after that. And, oh, Jesus. That's why we call it reckless love. I call it crazy love. Amen? Walk in love. The Greeks didn't use it a much. It, it wasn't an emotion. It was a choice we make. But in our society, love's completely an emotion. People in marriage say, I, I, I'm, I'm not in love with you anymore, so bye. Well, you've, you've got these uh, physical problems now. I can't deal with you. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're, you're old, and that good-looking thing just winked at me, and he just doesn't understand me. Well, sometimes you're beyond understanding. I, <laughs> I wish I had more to hide behind up here. Danger. If we could get a hold of this, it would change the church. That you, you don't love people because they're like you. You don't love people because you're comfortable around them. You don't love people just because, just because they're like you and, 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 and there's something about them. You have something in common. Come on, church. That's why, that's why so many churches are wrapped around people who, who are all homogeneous. In other words, they all have the same thing. They're all, you know, you got, you got churches all over America where everybody there is over 50 and white. 
And you got black churches all over the country. And a white person wouldn't hardly be, well, if a white person walked in there, they'd be like, what are you doing here? Am I right? Or Hispanic churches, all they, you know, they only speak Spanish. You're, you're just out. There's, there's all kinds of churches that have, especially with immigrants coming into our country through the centuries, and they would gather together. They were out of their homeland, so they gathered together because they felt comfortable with each other. And I'm not saying that's wrong, amen, but we have got to get something in our head that says that we need to be inclusive of everybody. I just want to, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just want to have a church where everybody is comfortable. I, I just want to have a, amen, we're not, we're, listen, we're not, saying, we're not saying your traditions and your past don't matter. We're not saying your race or ethnicity doesn't matter. Like you just get rid of it. No, I, listen, I'm proud of my roots. Half German, and I don't talk about the other half. I'm, where I come from, the ethnic jokes were all Polish. Well, y'all likely you've never heard a Polak joke. That's all I ever heard growing up was Polak jokes. <laughs> come on. Where was I going with all that? I I'm not against people getting together because they're comfortable with each other. But at some point, it's just wonderful when we can get beyond that, get above that, and start realizing, you know, we're not, we're not saying you, you can't identify with your ethnicity anymore. We're not saying that. But we're saying we have now an overriding identity. We have a different DNA, amen. I have something in common with you now that I didn't have in common with you before. I can sit next to you. Not, you know, you're this and I'm that. But you know what? We together our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ that rides above my ethnicity. But aren't you glad we can eat each other's food and laugh at each other's ethnicity? Come on, isn't it great to just be comfortable around each other and make jokes about each other? I mean, not, not to degrade, but just to have fun. That we can be, you know, listen, when I'm around some, some culture I'm not, I'm not familiar with, first thing I want to know, I want to know everything there is to know about that culture. I just want to know, you know, why do you do this? How do you come at that? What's that all about? Amen. I, I just want to learn. Amen. I just want to be in a place where I see person first, where I see child of God first. We'll learn about the other later. But for right now, there's an overriding identity. We all have Noah's DNA. But you know what that means now? We all have Jesus' DNA. Next, real quick, walk in unity. Let's go to back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity. Say unity. How many know you got to work at unity? Unity doesn't just happen. And, and when we're not in unity, that's when we complain instead of working to fix it. When it gets quiet, I know to stay there a while. Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh There is, count them, one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, right? One faith. One, One God and Father of, one Father of all who is above all, through all, and in y'all. Amen? Let's go to the last one. Then he says, seventh, we need to walk in our gift. We need to walk in our gift. Verse 7, it's time to start walking in our gift. But to each one of us, grace was given. Say amen. 
a gift was given according to the measure. Did you know all three members of the Trinity have a gift list? And this is Jesus's right here in Ephesians. According to the measure of Christ's gift, verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he had a procession. He had a parade. He led captivity captive. In other words, he, we always say, he set me free. Actually, he imprisoned you. Ah, I'm free. No, you're not. You just got a good master. You just got a good, good father. He ascended on high. He led captivity captive and gave gifts. Wow. Wow. I, I don't have time to read it, but Psalm, it Psalm 68, I think it is. It talks about, he's quoting Psalm 68. And in that Psalm, it says that people gave gifts to him, which was normal. When you conquered, they gave gifts to you. But here, here the conqueror is giving gifts to the captives. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Next verse. Now, now this. He, now this. He ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended. There can't be an ascension until there's a dissension. Into the lower parts of the earth. Uh-huh. He who descended, say descended, is also the one, capital O, who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. It's, it's as if as he ascends, he takes everything with him and he just fills everything as he goes up. Now, different people argue theologically about all this, but I'm just going to give you my opinion. By going into the lower parts, I believe as hell. When he was dead, he goes to Hades and he preaches he said, well, how can dead people get saved? Not that kind of preaching. He's not preaching for them to get saved. He just went to Hades to say, y'all over here aren't going anywhere, but y'all over here have lived a righteous life, and I'm taking you with me. He went and preached that Death has been conquered. He preached that hell has been overcome. He preached that sins have been forgiven. He preached now that he has died on the grave. And in just one more day, I'm coming up out of this tomb, amen. And I'm taking everybody with me. I'm resurrecting everybody with me. Come on and praise you. Let's skip over to Ephesians 4, verse 11. Can you skip over there? And, and we'll just get to the next verse. And, of course, you're familiar with this as we get into this, into the fivefold ministry. And he himself gave. Now, here's the gifts. Here's the gifts. You ready? Five gifts. Say five gifts. There are five gifts that Jesus has. The Holy Ghost has nine gifts. First Corinthians chapter 12. The Father has seven gifts. Romans chapter 12. You can research all that later. But Jesus says he gave some to be what? And, and, and. And teachers, but, uh, but the Lord says, I'm giving the fivefold ministry. And by the way, when it says pastors, it means people with a pastoring heart. Three things. Number one, equip you for good works. Number two, help you to edify the body. Help you, amen, get to the place where you're the measure of the stature of Christ. That we should no longer, that we would no more, no longer. Tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, don't know what they believe, by the trickery of men. How many know 
who was it was talking about, uh, I think it was William talking about love that's manipulative. Some people love you to manipulate you or act like they love you. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Oh, my God. But speaking the truth in love. And that word truth is not just the doctrines. It, it could actually be a verb. It could actually be you need to. It's called truthing. <laughs> you need to do truthing. Everything you do needs to be honest. So truthing, but do it in love. Everything has to be done in love. I, I mean, no, we need that balance. Truthing in love. And what happens then? We may grow up, say grow up, into all things, into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body, aren't you glad it's joined and knit together? Listen, we're, we're knit together, I'm almost done, by what every joint, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth, say causes growth, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So quickly, I think the best way to describe it is we don't actually, of all our, you know, you realize our bones don't actually don't actually connect bone to bone, that there's fluid in the joints, right? And when you start losing that fluid, what's that called? Arthritis. When you start losing the fluid, we got a lot of arthritic churches, no fluid between the members. See, there's that fluid, it's, it's the fluid that helps us. Otherwise, we rub up against each other, and we would just offend each other. But when there's fluid between us, whew, now we're able to bend. Now we're able to move. Now we're able to jump. Now we're able to dance. We're able to do all these things because we're not arthritic. we got churches that could just barely walk. Aren't, am I not talking about walking? Just barely walk anymore, amen, because they're, they're, they're arthritic, amen. They've lost the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit leaves our relationships, when the Spirit leaves the church, then we're bone to bone, and it's hurtful. But he says, no longer. Say, no longer. He said, we're not children anymore. We're mature. We're not tossed about. We're joined together. We're not walking in deception. We're walking in truth. You, you know the Scripture, Psalms 133. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to what? Dwell together in unity. You know what it's like? Verse 2. You know what it's like? It's like the precious oil. Poured upon the head. You know this verse is foundational to this church, that the oil is poured on the head. They wore that, that baker's hat-like thing, and they would pour the oil on the clothing. I always, uh, you don't anoint flesh. I said you don't anoint people's flesh. You anoint the garments they're in. Poured it on the garments, garments of praise. Ooh, glory to God. And that's where, can I say it like this, where there's no unity, there is no corporate anointing no. where there's no unity. Individuals might rise up, do their little thing, but they're, they're going to they're be hitting their head against the ceiling before long. Individuals carry their gifts. They do their thing. But there's no corporate anointing. And really, I think a lot of times our own anointings are limited when there's no unity in the house. I'm so thankful this church has really experienced unity. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm, I'm just saying, generally speaking, this has been 
a peaceful, united church for 36 years. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Oh, God, give us an anointing that will flow from the head and flow to each and every person who learns how to walk in their gifting. Listen, when you discover your gifting, you won't have to pray, God, I want an anointing. The anointing will find you. If you're a finger, get attached to the hand, and when the anointing comes, the anointing will find you.